What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cooperators Viewers Couch. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, and today I'm joined by my Gryffindor friend, Carmen. Uh, what? Yeah, he's not that brave, I guess. Oh, and we're also joined by my good friend, Gabe, the one and only Hufflepuff in our group. Yeah, it's into my scrotum. What? <laughs> what the, what the what fuck is into your scrotum? <laughs> It's pinned to my scrotum. Oh my god, this, god. this this podcast is starting off very strong. We're going right into the explicit tag, everybody. If you didn't know, each and every week on the Cooperators Viewers Couch, we go through a movie of the series we're currently watching. This week, we are going through Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. First directed by Alfonso Cuaron, released on May 23rd, 2004. Runtime of... <laughs> uh, 142 minutes these movies even though this is like a short one compared to the other two is still very long oh man when i saw it was 142 minutes i was like oh sweet i'm not gonna be up till like 3 a.m yeah <laughs> not three hours this time uh especially because i'm pretty sure i gave you the normal edition and not the extended edition this time oh okay yeah, that, yeah. Goes <laughs> that goes right back right, to yeah. extended because yeah, i thanks my computer for, thanks for borrowing that from blockbuster and uh lending it to me yep blockbuster in alaska uh, and then we have a budget of $130 million and a box office of just shy of $800 million. So, not I think this is the lowest grossing Harry Potter movie in theaters. Which is bullshit. It's not surprising, though, just based on, like, the, I don't know, kind of the name of it, but also, like, the kind of darker tone that it got. I don't think it got as much marketing and promotion as the other ones did. Uh, and it went from being kind of a kids movie to more of a young adult movie, very fast. I don't know, man. I don't know. You got an Academy Award winning director, Academy Award winning actor. Fuck. But he hadn't won an award yet, right? Nope. But and I don't think the actor had his uh, Academy Award I mean, yet either. Oh, hold on. Who's the hold director? On. Who won? What did the director win for? Uh, oh, it wasn't it Roma. Uh, oh, just, just. We'll let, also, we'll let Gabe look that up. I have a couple I things. Won, I want to know if he won an Oscar for you two mama tambien. Because I think he did. But that's, maybe I'm wrong. Actually, it's funny because that's actually one of the reasons why he was brought on. That's because of that movie. Because uh, J.K. Rowling loved that movie. Don't watch that movie, Carmen. Okay. Oh, I haven't it's, watched it either. I think that the little, second Harry Potter... For you, Carmen. What? It's a little too mature for you, Carmen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that mean? It's an art film. Let's just say... Is it about, is it about scene, politics? The final, the final scene could be something that you might find yourself in. It, it, uh, oh, an apartment? <laughs> okay. Okay. It's. Uh, I think the second movie was the highest grossing, actually. I mean, those spiders were very gross. It's true. Mm. I don't know. Number five is pretty grossing, too. But what we'll get to that five? when we hit five. I can't um, remember. Uh, it's the uh, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, I can't remember what's gross in that one. Umbridge. Oh, she was hot. Oh, gross. Just telling everyone what to do. Oh, my God. Just, oh, yeah. You, All right, yeah, you so gotta... that's what we know what Carmen's and... into. All right. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, it didn't win an Oscar. Nominated. Best original screenplay. But not. So I don't think he had won his uh, award. I think you're getting confused because it won a trash can, Gabe. And sometimes there's an Oscar in a trash can. Oh, they won a trash can. They Sesame trash Street can. joke. Fuck yeah, on it. Nice. Sometimes. Well, you didn't get my pinned scrotum joke, so. Huffle puff. 
No, it's like expecto patronum. patronum. It's pinned to my scrotum? Yeah, I don't. I don't that, oh, okay. That was pretty weak. It's a stretch. If you had shouted, uh, it's pinned to my scrotum while you pointed a wand at the screen, then I might have gotten it. Okay, okay so. Well, uh, here we go. It's I, pinned to my scrotum. Okay. So he also has awards for, I think, Gravity and Roma, as well as maybe Children of Men. Or at least he has, no, he's got a nomination for Children of Men, I think he got. And then he has a uh, Academy Award for Gravity and Roma. So, but those were both after this was made. Okay, that's enough facts about our director. Um, a couple of small things here, though. Uh, the director was actually not the first choice. Uh, after Chris Columbus decided to leave as director and move just to be a producer, uh, a decision he made because he hadn't seen his own kids uh, for supper, during the week in over two and a half years. <laughs> so mm. he decided maybe it's time to like actually spend some time with my family. Uh, Gilmary Del Toro was actually approached to direct the film, uh, but envisioned a more kind of a darker feel than even this was. Uh, and he was put off by the bright and happiness of the first two movies that I wouldn't exactly call bright and happy. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Dodoro's like, oh, what? Children dying from a giant snake? Oh, it's fucking too cheerful for me. <laughs> and then... Uh, I, uh, I believe this is, uh, is too nice. It's too nice. Too nice. Too nice. <laughs> she only you could do that. She die, so... Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Alright, and then uh, Mark uh, Forster was uh, approached, uh, but he had to turn down because he was making Finding Neverland, which is a great movie as well. Uh, and he did not want to direct children again <laughs> after making that movie. M. Night Shyamalan was also considered, but he turned it down because he was working on The Village. Um, after this, they composed a short list of three directors they were on to approach, which comprised of... Oh, I'm going to... Khalil... Or Kali... Kauri? I don't know exactly what she's done before, but uh, then we have... Uh, the guy who played Lockhart, Kenneth uh, Brana. Uh, that would have been sweet. I would. That could have been pretty good. And then they eventually made the selection of Alfonso Cuaron. So just a couple, cool. couple small things there. Um, funny story. After Alfonso Cuaron was brought onto the project, uh, he actually asked the three lead stars to write essays about their characters, just so he kind of get an idea of who the characters were, but also what the kids thought of them. Emma Watson wrote 10 pages about Hermione. Daniel Radcliffe wrote one page about Harry. Rupert was like, fuck that. <laughs> and he was just like, I'm not going to do that. And, and I think uh, this is editorializing from the site uh, that I found this on, but uh, Rupert Grit was the only one who was like, what are you going to do? Fire me. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. Damn. I thought that was a pretty good pretty good uh, side note. But you know how in class sometimes, like, if you, like, one person does the homework, but everyone else, like, just was like, fuck it. Um, and then the teacher kind of reads it, that one thing out loud, like, oh, this is what I want from you guys. Well, Alfonso Cuaron did that with Emma Watson's, and he read the entire, her entire 10-page essay <laughs> to the rest of the cast. And I was like, "Damn!" Pretty but, interesting. Yeah, like but... their their character, their actors are 
the actors that play them are very similar to the characters they play. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, so like we did last week, we decided to switch up the process that we will be doing for the podcast. And we're going to be doing a shortened version of the plot because you've all watched this movie. And if you haven't, I mean, come on, it's like. 16 years old now you should have watched this by now especially if you're going to be listening to us talk about all this shit so today we're going to be doing a very shortened version of the plot summary uh as we said last week on the podcast on record carmen you will be doing them from now on uh okay. at least for this series unless something changes and we make gabe do it oh god don't do that <laughs> no we should we should rotate at some point but uh oh, yeah no, i'll, I'll do my best today I, I well let's rot- let's let's go on a rotation then for the rest of them uh but this week we'll stick with carmen and then we're gonna okay. make gabe do a two minute one next week okay i didn't prepare anything so <laughs> I, I apologize in advance okay timey <laughs> all right uh stop the clock all right three two one go all right, so Harry Potter's at the Dursleys, and then uh, he gets uh, in trouble. So then he runs away from home. He gets uh, he runs into this like evil dog or something, and then like he gets picked up by like this like bus on the street. Gets taken to the Leaky Cauldron. It's like a wizard bus, and then like he finds out there that there's this like serious criminal who's uh, escaped from a prison whose name is also serious. What the fuck is up with that? And then uh, he goes to school, and while the entire time he's there, everyone's like, oh, serious Black is on the loose. It's just, he's this killer who killed your parents or whatever. Eventually, he uh, figures out it through like this map that like this other dude who's supposed to be dead, uh, this magic map of Hogwarts that this other dude is supposed to be dead is still alive. Uh, and then like at a certain point, he like follows uh, Ron underneath like the the tree the whomping willow tree or whatever because the dog from earlier in it took him underneath there and then they're like oh this evil dog or whatever they get in there they find out that then like the dude who's supposed to be dead was actually not dead he was the rat ron's rat the whole time Sirius black is like the killer guy he was innocent he's harry's godfather the defense against the dark arts teacher is like a werewolf and he's uh like friends with him or whatever anyway so it, you know they figure that all uh, all that stuff out but eventually, the dude who's the rat escapes, and then Sirius Black's captured, and then eventually they can they use this fucking time travel loop to uh, figure out how to save uh, Sirius Black and also this fucking monster named uh, uh, a Hippogriff, and uh, so they like free the Hippogriff, and then they uh, who is condemned to death as well. They use that to rescue Sirius Black, and they send him off, and then Harry gets a sweet broomstick at the end and freeze frames, and he's like, yeah. Okay, that was pretty good. That was a, a minute fifty. Yay! Right under again. <laughs> all right. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, I think you missed some key points, like the Dementors at all. Oh yeah, there's fucking Grim Reapers all over the place. <laughs> you didn't say it's pinned to my scrotum. Oh yeah. Like yeah. The... yeah. Well, you know, uh, like I said, everything. Yeah, motivation for you guys to do better next time. Here we go. I mean, that's how you do it. Beautiful. All it right, beautiful. Gabe, you gotta do it better next for uh, number four. Uh, Which was that? Is that Order of the Phoenix? No, it's Goblet of Fire. Oh no, my boy, my Hufflepuff man. Your 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 boys. Well, that's a future spoiler. So, uh, what did you guys think uh, of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind. I kind of feel like I don't know. It wasn't as fun as the last one. Chamber of Secrets is. Uh, I think I probably said it last time that it's probably one of my favorites. It's like Halloweeny and dark and cool. 
And uh, this one's kind of like, well, it has some alright stuff in it, but overall it's kind of like, nah. I've always thought of this book as the happy one. Like, it kind of ends happily, where Harry's like, oh yeah, I've got like a godfather and he cares about me now. And Voldemort doesn't show up at all. So it's kind of chill. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Like, Trelawney, Emma Thompson was fun. Uh, but, like, I mean, I don't know, that's kind of an annoying character anyway, so she kind of got mm-hmm. stiffed on that. But, and I also got some, like, Jack Sparrow vibes from Gary Oldman. Like, when he's mm-hmm. like, are you going to kill me, Harry? And he's, like, grinning at him. I was like, oh, fuck, it's Jack. He's back. <laughs> Jack's back. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the Dementors are cool, I guess. Uh, the, it's pretty badass. Like, that last scene when Harry Potter's like, expecto patronum. Like, that's mm-hmm. a pretty badass part. Uh, although, I don't really understand in all these movies why casting spells is so hard for everyone like what do they need to actually do to cast these spells just like a word that you say right i mean for this one it's different though right because they explain that too that he needs to have some kind of like really powerful memory so it's not just it's not just saying the words this time which is interesting it's an interesting thing they brought into this book that it wasn't just you can't just say the words you need to like have something behind them and like have like this very positive emotion that's like flowing through your magic uh, I thought that was like actually a very interesting thing they did in this, and they kind of explained it not as good as they maybe would have liked, but uh, we'll get into that when I go into a little bit of my thoughts. Yeah, cool. Well, why don't you do that since Gabe's got fucking cracker mouth going on? Yeah, always. <laughs> I fucking had it muted. Yeah, I had it muted. Oh, are you gonna talk now? Hey, you Is gonna it talk all now? your mouth? You're not gonna be dry mouthing it. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Okay, um, so I'll go into a couple of my thoughts, and then while Gabe uh, finishes his cracker here. Um, I finished it! What the fuck? <laughs> um, a couple of small talking points that I want to start with are at the start of the movie, when he's in his room, uh, when he's underneath the covers, doing something with his wand, if you know what I mean. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right, he's casting magic, everybody! He is casting Lumos Maxima, which oh, again is filthy. super, super illegal. He can't do that shit. Like, in about 30 seconds, or maybe a minute or so, he talks about how he can't do magic outside of school because he's going to get kicked out of school. (laughs) Like, like he he was doing magic, like, a couple minutes before. Like, what the fuck? Like, some kind of consistency in your rules is all I'm saying to these, like, filmmakers. Like, I know these are obviously way done, but in your future movies, if you do another series, pay attention to the rules that you follow and then, like, follow them. Because I thought that was a very weird moment. Uh, I know that it has been explained away before with them saying, like, oh, well, Sirius Black's on the loose, so they're giving him more leeway. But I'm like, well, so he shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. Like, where, where is the sense here? So um, that kind of leads into the second one, too. One, him blowing up his aunt was sweet. I was like, yes, like, he's like, Yes, getting rid of another piece of human garbage that is this family and just like making her into a giant balloon without just like his anger like flowing out of him. Like it was very, very, very intense. And you can see that inside of him, he has a lot of magic. Like he actually is a very powerful wizard himself, but he's just never really good at magic. Um, I guess later on he like gets a little better, but like still to this point, you haven't seen him be really good at magic, but you can see how strong he actually is. But I still think that I would have liked the Dursleys to almost be cut out of this movie fully. Uh, I think that they're not super necessary. We already know that 
Harry hates them. We don't like them for the most part. I don't think anyone can say like they really like the Dursleys. And if you do, I mean, send me an email. I'd like to read why you like the Dursleys. But um, we just we get more of that, and then they bring in another person who's also like just a complete asshole to Harry for no real reason. It seems, and like I don't know. It's very. It takes up time that they could have used to, like, enhance other parts of the movie, right? They could have very quickly gone into, like, her already being there and here's being awful to his, about his parents and blowing her up right away and had, like, two minutes of that instead of, like, the 10 or 15 that you get. Um, and then you could have used those 10 or 15 minutes to talk about how Black betrayed the Potters and, like, instead of having this weird exposition-y part later. Uh, so I thought that was a little weird or, like, going more into, like, about the Marauders because they don't go into that at all, and, like, how Lupin knows about the map and all that stuff. And, like, how they fucking took three years of their life to become, like, Animagus. Like, unregistered Animagus. Which is, like, a huge part of the book, but it's, like, ignored in the movies. Uh, so, I don't know. I just... It would have been nice to, like, kind of take that part out and take out the Dursleys and, like, actually have more focus on thematic stuff that people really care about. I don't know. That's just my thought on that first part. Um, yeah. The Dementors are wicked. I, mean, I didn't have a problem with the Dursleys at all. Really? Like as characters or just the, in this movie? Uh, well, as characters, obviously they're assholes. I mean, I think that they're there just as a contrast. Yeah. That's true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I could have used more... Or maybe they just needed to make it a little bit longer. I mean, all the other movies were super long. Why'd they cut so much out this time? But other than, mm. you know for us to not have to sit an extra 40 minutes for the movie. But, um, yeah, like I was saying, the Dementors are wicked. Uh, I really like how the water and stuff freezes when they go by. And, like, everything, like, gets cold and stuff. Uh, two kind of small points on that. One was uh, J.K. Rowling's come out saying that the Dementors are kind of just a uh, metaphor for, like, depression that she was going through during this time of writing the books and everything uh, and it makes sense like makes everything cold and awful uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting fact that I saw but the other was the idea to make everything go icy was Alfonso Crone's idea but because his accent was so thick uh, when he told the uh, people who kind of do like the storyboards and stuff and like concept art they thought he said we want everything to turn to eyes not ice so apparently the original like concept art was really messed up because everything was turning <laughs> to eyes, and they had oh, to man. go back and like change everything to ice. Awesome. Yeah, I thought that was a really good fact. I was like, damn, that would have been that would have sucked to be those. Uh... I want everything to be ice. <laughs> yeah, just like be those storyboard guys, and have like that's so messed up. That's why you should always put everything in writing, guys. <laughs> put everything in writing, it's gonna be messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gabe, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, what's your issue over there, Gabe? No, I don't have any. Your, your eyes, they are thing. looking at me. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um, <laughs> before I uh, kind of just go into like all my things, because I want to hear about what you guys are saying, but uh, one thing I did want to talk about really quick was the new Dumbledore. I thought that he really brought something really good to the role, making kind of... In the first two, he was kind of like you could see that he was, like, kind of the good nature and, like, that very, like, more upbeat 
that and maybe that's what del toro kind of saw was like that more a beat to the characters but this one he kind of really showed himself as like he is like a puppet master and he knows everything that's going on uh at all times like when he uh distracted the minister and stuff from turning around when he was going to save Buckbeak. Mm. like he knew that they were there and he was like oh shit we need i need they need they need more time captain uh so like i thought that was really interesting and like seeing like how he like pieced everything together and like kind of like taking that character from more of like the grandfather lee character for the first two and making him more into like shit needs to get done but i can't be the one to do it so i need to keep my hands clean of it so i'm gonna make these kids do it for me right and it kind of shows like again like as much as there are houses and stuff and you see like there are these traits you can see them in other people especially in the gryffindors it seems like um harry again has like some inner slytherin that we got from like that anger and like that stuff from the beginning and like I know he was, he, like, obviously he was being bullied and stuff, but you could still see some of that, like, the hate and the anger that you kind of associate with, like, the Slytherins. As well as, like, uh, Dumbledore, who was, like, straight up using children to do his bidding. Right? Like, that ambition and, like, that wanting to, like, move things ahead, but not have to be the one who does the moving. Uh, Dumbledore was Slytherin? No, he was a Gryffindor. Oh. Yeah. Dumbledore Slytherin. Come on, Carmen, get your know. shit together. I thought that's what you were just saying, that he's like, no, well, he's, he's got, using kids to do his bidding and he's stuff. Got, so. He's got traits of it, right? All of them have okay. traits of each of them. So when we talk about, like, the people who belong in the houses, quote-unquote, um, everyone has, like, aspects of other houses, too. So the housing system kind of is bullshit anyways. Um, people can be more than one thing. People can be more than one thing. Things can be more than one thing. <laughs> What is that from? You're saying like I'm a Taurus, but like I could oh, be a Leo. Fuck off! Oh yeah. Fuck no, off. what you are is an idiot. <laughs> uh, it's in the Broken Nine ep- episode where he's dating the or going against the lawyer that he eventually dates. Oh yeah. And then he's like, and then she's like, things can be more than one thing. He's like, hey, that's my thing. She can't use that. He's like, you can't own that thing. Anyways, if you have not seen Broken Nine Nine, you should watch that show. It is awesome. Right on. Great. Also, Gabe, fucking d- delete Duo Lingo, or no, not not one. Which one am I? Uh, duo Star, Double Star, Double Star. Yeah, delete that shit. What's Double Star? The thing, double the star. fucking ast- astrology thing, fucking Trelawney bullshit. Co-star. Yeah, that's the one. So uh, yeah, we're, what we're saying is, uh, Gabe is the Trelawney of our group. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, so that's going to be his new introduction. From now on, it's going to be, this is Carmen and this is Trelawney. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, can you introduce me as, uh, oh, who do I want to fucking be? The bald sim- Snape. <laughs> <laughs> fucking <laughs> bald Snape? <laughs> I be, be, call me, introduce me as Filch. Oh right. god, why? No. Put the kids in the dungeon. Okay, now that you brought oh. him up, we should, I want to oh. talk about Filch. Why is he at the school? He hates children. He's not a wizard. And he, like, actively tries to torture kids. Like, why is yeah, he there? He's a, he's a, he's a sadist. There's a really easy joke there. But oh, I'm fuck. not going to say it. I hate you. Dude. Oh, Frank. Uh, before it's I a get reflection into... of society. Oh, Jesus. All right, before we get into a little more of my thoughts on the movie, I want to hear from Gabe. Like, what'd you think? How'd you, did you like it? Did you, 
not with uh, I think I think I think the thing for me is I I totally am picking up what Carmen's putting down. I would make the argument that this is the first uh leeway into this uh series of being like you could say the first two are very like camping adventure, but I think you can safely say that this one is a film. Yeah. I think that's and I'm not trying to knock you, Carmen, but maybe that's why you didn't like it. Because it, like we're now in the direction of art. We're now saying like this is this is more than just you know it's more than that. Um, yeah, I've definitely heard that kind of that thing before, Gabe. I've heard people say that it's kind of like the first two were like student films, and then suddenly this one became like an actual film. Um, but for me, I feel like the other, the first two were good too, and I think they are films. I just think this is where it's very clearly like hitting you on the head. That's like we're 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 entering into the into the let's nominate, let's start nominating this film. Yeah. Character. Well, the other one's like, nominated too, I think. But they were. I, I think, think they were. I don't know. Um, I think what makes this really interesting is that Alfonso Cuarón is like even through his second film, A Little Princess, like he's already starting to get a lot of notoriety, <clears throat> and that film in itself was nominated for best cinematography and a best production design, and so you're getting a sense of like he's he's very acclaimed to begin with, and you know, maybe you could have had some other directors in there too, like Ben was mentioning. But I do think that this is really interesting because you do see a lot of his Quran's like touchstones of what of like his his like signature style of work. And so one of them is like the one, the one to two minute um, one shot, and you see that in this film. And you see, I mean, his strongest one, at least my favorite one, is in Children of Men. But mm. I also really feel oh, like. Yeah. This one in Prisoner of Azkaban is is a really interesting one because I've seen I think it's in I don't know if it's director's commentary or if it was someone else that made a film of it or if it's um, where it's exactly placed but like there's this whole scene I don't want to jump too far ahead in the film but Harry's at um, is he at like the Weasley's house or he's like he's hiding out it's in that scene where like He's by himself, he's isolated, and no one talks to him for, like, a good minute in the one shot. And then you notice that, like, he's by the pillar, and you see the, the wanted sign of Mysterious Black on it. Oh, yeah. You know the scene mm -hmm. I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's at the Leaky Cauldron. Leaky Cauldron. That's it, that's it. Sorry, and then yeah, the yeah. Weasleys show up there. Yeah. yeah. And, and But he's pretty much all alone. It's like, he's just by himself. And I was doing some... I was. I remember hearing his it was his voice or someone else's talking about the isolation and the fact that like when you're transitioning from um youth into adulthood it's an isolating um feeling and that's kind of what he was trying to go for mm -hmm. and like there's this other uh writer and like film enthusiast named jen jonas who's like written a very similar article and i read just like a piece of it because i i remember seeing that scene and it's just like going through that internet i was like like where who else has talked about it? Because like clearly I'm not the only one with an original idea on this. And she talks about how that scene in particular is like one of just like talking about the whole transition from youth into adulthood and the feeling of isolation. And like this film is all about isolating. It's all about Harry's pretty much on his own at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure I totally agree with him being on his own at this point. I think that happens more I think he towards the fifth movie ish. 
I think uh, this one definitely has points of it, though. Like, when he hears about Sirius's betrayal. I would definitely agree with that. Like, because he runs off by himself, doesn't go to his friends, and then screams in a very Oops. subparly acted uh, scene there. But, uh, yeah. Like, I think they really brought that in more into the movie than they did in the books. Because... Uh, I mean, that one scene that you're talking about, at that point in the book, he was actually really happy because he didn't have to... He got to be, like, out around real wizards. He didn't have to be at the Dursleys anymore. He wasn't in trouble. He didn't get kicked out of school. So he was, like, like riding high. But, yeah, I definitely got that more of that, like, isolation from the yeah. movie compared to that part of the book. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's plot points in the book that they probably built on more, like, the... The yeah. fact that he wasn't allowed at Hogsmeade and uh, the fact that, like, he ran away from home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from, Gabe. Yeah, yeah it, it's just interesting. It's, I also think this film does, like, just like the first two that Columbus does, like, it puts a lot of, like, if, if I recall, a lot of touchstones uh, for foreshadowing for the future film, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, ham- like, I, I'm thinking, like, Ron and Hermione's relationship. There's a lot of, like, foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, on that, like the what you were talking about with doing like the one minute shots or whatever, where you, like you don't cut or whatever. I actually thought that one part when they had a bit of foreshadowing between Hermione and Ron, because they didn't have close ups, it was very very subtle. And it was when yeah. they're at the shooting shack together, and then Hermione says like, "Do you want to get closer?" And then he's like, "What?" And then she's like, "To the shack." And it's like, you know, if you're not paying close attention to like being like, "Oh, those two are gonna fuck," then that. you're not gonna notice that. Because it, it almost passed by me, but uh, I mean, yeah, like I was like, oh, I would have done close-ups there if I was uh, doing this, but maybe but that's I, uh, you know what he was going for. But I also think that's the thing, and like I think when we talk about isolation, it's not like it's not by yourself. It's it's almost like I feel like in this film where we are isolated, like we're 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 dialed into these little vignettes and these little moments, and I think Karan does such a good job of it. And again. Like I said, I'm I'm a I'll 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 be really honest with it. I'm very biased when it comes to his work. I'm I'm a huge fan of his work, and so for me, when you see these like different shots that are like like that that shot in particular that Carmen just mentioned, to me that's isolating. It's so isolating. It's like you're isolating on the vignette, the moment, and maybe it's not like an alone feeling, but it's isolating on a feeling. It's isolation in terms of like how they're feeling. That no one will really understand that moment. It's it's just like there's a lot more I think overthinking and over reading and over analyzing I think in these films that or at least in, from the first three that we're seeing in this one in particular I think there's a lot more room for interpretation. But maybe that's just my uh, oh, I already forgot what nickname we gave me. But my brain. Yeah, that's that's vibranium. Your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like vibranium? <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, it's it's funny we mentioned the uh, relationship that's starting to brew between Ron and Hermione. I still don't agree with it. I think that the person she should have ended up with, if not Harry, then it gets introduced in the next movie. And we'll probably talk about that next time. You don't like Ron and Hermione? I don't like Ron and Hermione. I think that he's too much of a bully to her for so long for that kind of to be something that I want to see. Because it kind of shows like the wrong intention, I think. Uh, hey, Ben, you ever been to uh, Sweden? No. The capital, specifically. You get no. a syndrome if you go there. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Get that Stockholm. <laughs> I hate you, Carter. That was so bad. All right. Um, but it's like, I, I get why it happened because it kind of like it just. Yeah, it seemed easy, like an easy right to put those two together. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I think that she was a way better fit for the character in the next movie. Um, also, okay, maybe, I mean, they're kids and stuff, so whatever. But we talk about isolation. Gabe was talking about isolation. And, like, him not being able to go to Hogsmeade, I think, is a big one. That his friends straight up, like, just go. Like, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of qualm about it. And I know, like, that's kind of a... It'd be a shitty thing to put onto his friends to, like, be like, oh, well, why are they going and leaving behind? Because, I mean, they want to, like, live their life, too, and stuff, right? But seeing everything that he's going through and stuff and knowing that, like, there's a killer on the loose and, like, how he might, you know, be feeling kind of shitty and isolated, it, it just kind of feels, like, weird that they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to go peace out and go to a candy shop and do all these things and then come back and like talk about it all and make it sound like it was like the best thing in the world and you don't get to come Harry um, I mean eventually he does get to go because of uh, the twins who are definitely goats in this uh, this one um, more so in the movie I mean the uh, books but even like just giving him the map for whatever reason they decided to give him the map because apparently they didn't need it anymore even though they still were like at the school but whatever um they just have to give more things to make him like super OP in this uh, series. Uh, and invisibility cloak. The, the first thing that Harry does when he shows up in Hogsmeade is steal Neville's lollipop. Yeah. That Neville's already at his mouth all over, and he eats it. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Also, That's gross. No one's gonna notice that a lollipop is just like dangling along, and like, also, how do you like? Did he grab it with his cloak? <laughs> like. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like well, first of all, it's an asshole out. move to steal someone's candy. And second of all, why would you even want to steal his candy? His mouth has been all over it. Why he, if he's going to steal candy, why didn't he just steal candy? Him in particular, of all the people. Of all the people, him? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like chum in the water, man. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that was a dick like, that's, That was, he was brutal. in the storeroom. He could have just taken a piece of candy and left some money and then gone. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was a Did, dick move. Yeah, it was fucked. <laughs> Oh, so then, yeah, you're right. Then him eating it after, like, Neville had his mouth all over it and stuff. Yeah, it's like, oh, Like, yeah, uh, anyway. But it did look like a good lollipop. I don't know. What, is any lollipop a good lollipop? Lollipop are, like, they're, like, the lamest type of candy there is. Sugar on a stick. Black licorice. It's not appealing. Well, no, I'm not saying, like, it's not good, but, like, like you yeah, know, there's, some, there's some artistry put into the like, yeah. at least, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, Bob, you just, like, poured, like, some gelatin sugar in a fucking tray and put a stick in it. Do you think they put gelatin in the... Uh, I don't know, whatever, like, magic <laughs> shit. I don't know how <laughs> like it, candy sugar, works. Basically. Sugar and flavoring, for the most part. Um... Sugar and water. So, at that point, when he does feel, like, that isolation, we kind of get more of that relationship between him and Lupin. Um, I don't think this was done super well in the movies compared to, like, the book, because, like, he already seems like he's super close to this teacher, even though they kind of just seem like they just met. Um, we kind of learned that he knew Harry's parents, but not overly. Uh, we get a lot more of this, and this is why I think the time that we spent with the Durley could have been better served to, like, set Lupin up as... Kind of like that uncle figure. He was part of the Marauders. He knew 
both Sirius and his dad, and he knew Peter Pettigrew and that kind of thing. Like getting that that backstory out, I think would have been really useful for this. Uh, <laughs> and Carmen's just here drinking some Lacroix. <laughs> They were out of no no name brand or like Western Family Lime. I I gotta be fancy. Um, but like I think it almost seems weird that he goes and talks to him and has like this kind of conversation overall with him, uh, by himself in the forest. <laughs> like it was kind of a weird moment. Uh, but I guess if you like live in like the castle and stuff and like you see these teachers all the time, maybe it is less weird. But it just they didn't have enough setup before it to like make it so he would be this like comfortable especially after the last two teachers like one was a useless dude who was so self-obsessed like who tried to like erase harry's memory and then the one before tried to kill him like you don't know, maybe think like hmm, maybe the dark arts teachers here kind of suck and they're not the ones i should talk to i should go talk to professor mcgonagall because you know she's been a boss for this entire like two years i've been here yeah, what the fuck, Harry? And it's not like she wouldn't know how to, like, defeat Dementors. They all went through school. They're all, like, super good wizards. Like, just fucking talk to her and be like, so this is the thing that's happening. You're my head of house. Like, you're supposed to be, like, the person I come to with this kind of thing. But instead, just, like, a professor that we've had very little track record with. And, like, especially with the Defense Against Dark Horse teachers. Like, Dumbledore does I not know... know how to appoint people. <laughs> I know why he didn't go to McGonagall. Too much sexual tension yeah. there. Ah, uh, makes sense. That's, a, that's an interesting point. I think that's that's something I never really thought about, Ben. I think that, that there must be a commentary there <laughs> on like on why not her. Yeah. And why these other people I mean, it goes back to also like title and stature, right? I think culturally I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe that's the thing with boarding school. I think you can do that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it it's just weird because he goes to her with so many other things and <laughs> this like wasn't one of them. Uh <laughs> So that was a little confusing and like, uh, but I mean, is his Achilles heel, Harry's Achilles heel, well, emotionally, I find is, is his parents, right? Mm -hmm. So if there is someone who knows his parents or like a sliver of it, it seems that those types of obstacles don't seem to get in the way as much. So because he's so determined on wanting to know more. Yeah. Which I mean, but that's believable time. to me. I would, I would want to. I mean, if if I knew somebody who knew some who knew my parents, and I don't know anything about my parents, I'd want to know more. Yeah, I'd but want, I don't. I do everything. Hagrid did, and like Dumbledore did, and McGonagall did, because they were all part of the Order of the Phoenix, right? So they all knew his parents, right? <laughs> so it's just like kind of that weird. I think it was just it wasn't set up properly in the books. It's set up really well that they knew the parents. Um, and then we get, like, if we had, like, learned more about, like, that struggle that Lupin went through with isolation, because he was a werewolf, and, like, the steps that his friends took, like, to become Animagus, which took, like, three years to learn how to do and, like, perfect, um, all that, I think, would have, like, really added on to this to make it kind of a less awkward scene for me. Uh, and I know I mean... it's kind of a, maybe a weird place to, like, get, like, a hang-up on for a movie, but I think that... It just seems like very off, to me at least. Mm. Yeah, I think. I think symbolically, I I see. I can't help but look at the the symbolism with with the werewolf, with the transformation part of it, and this film, and like the way in which some of the themes are positioned. Like, it's hard not to ignore. Yeah, 
Also, while we're on the uh, topic of Lupin, I loved the twist at the end where, like, he was like, oh, well, he's actually a good Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And then suddenly it's like, oh, shit, he's bad. And then, like, a minute later, you're like, oh, wait a minute. They just twisted it back so he's actually good and serious mm-hmm. good? And you're like, what? So I really, mm-hmm. I really like the uh, kind of like that double the double take that you have to take in the mm. middle there. Yep. It's also, if correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first part of the film where you see the 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 adults, the quote-unquote adults, get into the conclusion um, instead of it being the trio, the, the triplets. It's it's like um, you have them part of the actual like physical fighting, if you will. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, again, it shows this transition, right? Like, we can see this now. Uh, whereas I think in the first two films, I don't think they were ready. Yeah. Yeah, I... I I just thought I thought that like the entire twist and like the double back I think all that was like very compelling because like yeah. we kind of got into that that rhythm that like the defense against the dark art teaches are bad like they're either evil in some way or they're incompetent like we got that from the first two movies so we got kind of into a groove already and then for mm-hmm. them to turn it back on itself to be like oh there are good people even if at the end he still got kicked out because he's a werewolf and like. Snape uh, accidentally let leak that he was a werewolf. Uh, what a dick. Um, but yeah, I thought that that character and like that whole situation was really good. Um, I thought the serious character was also played really well. Uh, was it Gary Oldman? Well, back then it was yep. Gary Oldman, middle-aged man. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought he did a great job on this. Um and man, that guy had a good career. He like went on to like work with Batman too. So first he works with Harry Potter, then with Batman. Come on. He had a great career before that point too. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Apparently he was uh, yeah. uh, Daniel Radcliffe's favorite actor, like the actor he looked up to most. And he was yeah, like yeah. starstruck when he met him. And uh, Gary Oldman's pretty unstoppable. If you've seen him in some other roles, like every time you see him in a movie, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck? That's Gary Oldman." Oh yeah. He's so different in each one. Uh, yeah. But he's a great actor. Uh, but I think he did a great job, like, portraying Sirius as if, like, how I saw him in my mind. Like, that, especially in this one where he's like, this guy is insane. Like, this guy's nuts. Like, when he's first doing, like, the speech about, like, the stuff. Um, I also, I wasn't crazy about the, how they didn't explain, like, how he got out or how he knew that Peter Pettigrew was alive and stuff. They really, uh, oh, really? over that one. I like that. I, I, I felt for me... That was something that drove me wanting to see the next one, the next film. Oh, really? Because I was left with, like, what the fuck? Tell me more. I need to know more. This guy fucks. Yeah, well, this guy does fuck. Sure. But I think that they, <laughs> could, like, they could have, like, mentioned the picture because they showed the picture at the start of the movie, right? Yeah. The picture that yeah. was kind of, like, in the books at least, how, how he finds out that uh, Pettigrew's alive is by looking at a rat with nine toads which i thought was kind of lame anyways as a plot mm-hmm. device because i mean i bet there's a lot of rats out there with nine toes <laughs> but they also explain that he's seen them transform sure. so many times that he knew exactly what he looked like as a rat yeah and, stuff. and like yeah it, even to like just wa- looking at a picture and seeing being like oh my god yes mm. like that's him and then him yeah. breaking out of prison that no one's ever done before also mm-hmm. this is called the prisoner of azkaban we don't see azkaban once in this entire movie yeah, I feel like the the names of the books aren't necessarily that relevant. 
Like the Goblet of Fire, it's like the fucking it's there in like one or two scenes and does nothing. Why not call it the Triwizard Tournament? Yeah, that's true. It should have been Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. Cha- Chamber of Secrets. Why not call it Harry Potter and the fucking awesome monsters? Okay, well the Chamber of Secrets one did make sense, and so did the Philosopher's Stone one. Those were very key to those points in the book. Harry Potter and the giant fucking spider. But I know. I feel like the first three are pretty good so far. Yeah, like that makes sense because this is like all about Sirius and like Sirius hunting down Harry, him hunting down Sirius. I think all of them. I think so far all of them are pretty good. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm okay. I think most of them are. I, think I was that, just kidding. Yeah. There's a couple that I think were, would be on the fence, though, Carmen. I agree with some, somewhat. <laughs> I'm just, you know what? You know which one? Half-Blood Prince. Fuck. Fuck that fuck title. That. No, fuck that Order of the Phoenix. That's just bullshit. Yeah, why don't they call it Harry Potter and Snape? <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> and Snape? Uh, or Harry Potter and Umbridge. <laughs> yeah. Big H and S. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Some, so some of the some of the things that I thought were funny in this was like, you know, in this scene when they're at Hogsmeade and like he sneaks into that pub, that with the chick that Ron wants to bone or whatever, and then like McGonagall's there with uh, like maybe the Minister of Magic and they're talking to the pub owner. It's like why are they talking to her about that shit and why are they talking in a pub? Like why didn't they like did a, do a Zoom chat or something or like yeah. meet at the school? <laughs> like I'm. Why are they talking to the? Why are they there in the first place? I was just well, like, that was well, weird. Carmen, because exposition, because <laughs> they didn't know oh, a right. better way of to course. show like this sweet flashback they could have done. Like they could have had this almost like an awesome flashback with like him actually like seeing Pettigrew in like an alley and like blowing him up and like oh man, that would have been sweet. But no, just yeah. like, exposition. You know, let's uh, tell not show. Yeah, that was Ooh. that was lame. Yeah, here's a question. Do you think this movie is self-contained? Oh, yeah. Actually, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. But one of my Tell biggest problems with it is the fucking time travel. Yes. Oh, my God. In, I was going to talk mean, about that later, no, but yes. You got, you got to leave that, Let's do that in now. there because obviously it's in the book. So, you know, no faulting the filmmakers here. But the time travel aspect, you're already in this world with goddamn, like, giant spiders and other beasts and, and like grim reapers <laughs> that float around and stuff magic shit that you can you, know, you can teleport places and stuff you know it's like oh you know what it's not quite cool enough let's add fucking time travel in there like you already got yeah. enough stuff it's cool yeah. already you don't need convincing what's worse is that they the time travel that they do like makes no sense like how she's like oh you'd go insane if you saw yourself in the past i'm like no you wouldn't you're you're in a land of magic you'd probably be like Oh shit! I—that's right. I own a time turner. If I saw myself, I'd be like, "Oh shit! That's just me in the future, or me in the yeah. past." Like, I, that's just something I'm about to do because I fucked something else up. Like, but like, maybe it's just magic. Yeah, but like, they talk about like it's how magic people insanity. kill each other. But it's like if you know that you have a time turner, why would you kill someone who looks like you? Because you're probably like, "Oh, that's me in the future doing something else." Uh, but it's more for me. It's the way that Hermione pops up into places. Because late in the movie, they show that it's, like, a basic, like, one-to-one timeline. Like, you're always going to be there. That's just how this works, right? So, mm-hmm. why does she pop up into classes? Because she's she... shitty at time travel. She can't yeah, figure it out. But why isn't she just walking with them to the class? Like, that's how the time travel in this universe works. And that's how they've set it up in this movie to work. Like, why isn't, why is, like, Ron, like, where'd you come from? It's like, no, no, no. She would have been with you the entire time. She would have been walking with you. She wouldn't just, like, pop out out of nowhere. You can't apparate within Hogwarts. Like, everyone knows that. What? So, 
Well, you can talk about that later. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just one of those moments. You're just like, why did they make this like kind of self-contained rule and then break it right away again? Right. This is just like the beginning when they like can't do magic outside of school. Well, Harry's doing magic outside of school. Like, it's just like those little things that I think are very inconsistent that make this one a weaker movie overall in my mind. There um, was that pretty funny part when Ron had that dream though. About the spider and the tap he woke up. I don't yeah. want to tap dance. Yeah, you teach it, Ron. Yeah, you tell those spiders. Yeah, yeah. He goes back to sleep. Um, I enjoyed that. I have a, I have a question, um, and and I don't know if you guys overthought this the way that I was thinking about it. Uh, his mom's Patronus is a doe, right? Actually, I don't think we learn what her Patronus is in the books. We don't know what her Patronus is. No. Is it a doe? I think it's a doe. I don't it, know. it might be, but they don't actually say it like straight out in the books what her Patronus is. Okay. I think that well, here's here's the, the only reason is... I'm saying this. Um, because Snape's. Uh, that's is... feature spoilers. Well, no, the only reason I'm saying it is. Um, this is what I mean about little things that go mm-hmm. long term. And so the question becomes, in that scene with Sirius and Harry. I, I feel like I can't say any more without spoiling things, but like I think that's a very huge thing. If unless I'm overanalyzing that, well, like him saving himself, or like because of his Patronus as a uh, stag. Well, that it's a doe, but well, I'm not really not. sure. It's not a doe though; it's a stag. It's a male. Snape's. Oh, Snape's! But we don't learn about Snape's until like the eighth movie. Yeah, I was just thinking, though, about that scene with the uh, Dementors and Sirius and Harry. And is it a doe that's in that scene as no, well? No, it's a stag. It's a male okay. male version. Uh, okay. Because that's what his dad was, right? Was, again, this would have been really good if they went into the Animagus and, like, talking about his parents and stuff, right? Uh, okay. As one of the Marauders. Yeah, well, I, I, just couldn't, I couldn't remember. I was thinking, yeah. like, is, is that a doe? And no. if it was a doe, then I would say further that, like... That's such a subtle thing to show. Yeah, so in the books, uh, they talk about it more, but uh, for the four marauders is uh, Padfoot, Prongs, Mooney, and Wormtail. Well, we all we know who Wormtail is. Uh, Padfoot was obviously uh, Sirius Black because he was a dog, so pads, pads on the feet. Uh, but Prongs was his dad, who was the... Uh, he turned into a giant stag. So in the book, they go back to... Uh, Harry has seen his father because he creates him when he be- creates his uh, animagus form when he does Patronus charm. So he d- bakes the stag as well. So that's kind of that hint. And again, it would have been really nice if they talked to us in the movie about that a little bit before just putting it out there. But um, I think, oh no, it's not like an, the most egregious thing they've done. So yeah, uh, but yeah, you're right. There is a uh, there is keys to the later one, and it's. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that part because I I dig I dig I dig that. that though. Like, you see what I mean though? Like, it's just like you can't help but like wanting to know. And that's why I'm saying like to me, I would make the argument that like this is a, it's a strong it's a strong film, and the question becomes, is it a standalone? Like, could you just watch this movie by itself I don't and not see any of the other films and feel like you know what's happening? I don't know. I, I think you like... feel pretty lost in the beginning with like the voodoo heads being like, "Take it, Ernie." Yeah, I think you'd be lost in it. Thank you, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. 
Uh, but I think there are definitely parts that you could. But I mean, you could say the same thing yeah. about the second one, right? Like, you don't need to know a lot of the backstory to make the second one work. Uh, but I think for this yeah. one, you need to know a little bit more about the characters to make it work. Yeah, I wonder. I I would like to. Mm. I want to just. I'm. I'm tr- I you need that... to find someone who's never seen these movies, and I would love for them to sit down and just watch this one and be like, do you feel like you understand? I think like... you need some tweaking based on what they had. Like, I don't think as the film it is right now would work standalone, but I think the plot has all the elements of working if you wanted to make a standalone thing. And actually, I was thinking about that. Like, if you were to make a whole new movie with, like, this exact same plot, but just, yeah. like, tweak some things to make the characters more independent and kind yeah. of, uh, you know, compartmentalized to the film the time travel thing would also work because it's like, that's like the big thing in the movie. I was going to say, if I'm going to remake this movie, I'd uh, subtly remove the time travel from it altogether <laughs> and just make it work otherwise. <laughs> I think you can remove just about everything else aside from the time travel and it'll actually work. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I, I don't, I mean, whenever you get into that territory, it gets a little bit murky, but I think it, it did its best job. It did, Honestly, it did like, a all... good job all by the time travel and stuff like that didn't really bother me like time travel okay like you know hippogriffs and like giant monsters fine like you know the even the fucking night bus that like squeezes between the two things and like drives like a maniac the rest of the time and there's voodoo heads that are like take it ernie like you know all that okay fine i'll suspend my disbelief but when they fucking walk in the hospital wing and Ron's like, how'd you get from there to there? Oh, You're a fucking wizard, and you at, are at a magic school. How do you get surprised by anything, you piece of shit? You're like, oh, you disappeared and went over there? Fuck off. Yeah, people... Uh, people. Yeah, that's, that's another reason I hate Ron. I just, he's so <laughs> useless. Um, speaking of people I hate, Snape in this movie was also kind of the worst. Except for one moment. Nah. He has one good moment, the rest of it, he sucks. Um... One, he actively works against Lupin all movie, as well as getting him sacked by telling everyone that he's a werewolf. Like, that's pretty shitty to do. Um, he also was just a really big dick to Hermione again in class by asking a question. She puts up her hand and he's like, uh, hell no, no one knows the answer. When she's obviously like, why are you going to ask the question if I'm not going to let me answer it? Uh, and then he, like, roasts her when he, she says the right answer. <laughs> like... I was like, no, fuck you. If you don't want to th- know the answer, don't ask the don't ask a fucking rhetorical question in class. If someone knows the answer, just call them. Don't be a dick. Uh, but I mean, he does throw himself in front of the kids in front of a werewolf. So I mean, like, uh, there's a line. Maybe he's kind of a good person. Tough love, baby. Um, but I thought that was a dick move. Chawani did the same kind of thing. Like, she just rips Hermione a new one when she's like, um, from the first time I saw you. Uh, I could tell that uh, though your mind is young, or you're you're young in years, your mind is as old, and I want to say decrepit, but it's not actually decrepit, but old and decrepit as the books that you cling to. And I was like, shit, Trelawney, you just ripped apart that student in the middle of your class. This very smart student who's like, everyone else in this school is like, you're subject bullshit. You're bad at this too. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I thought... Just they, yeah, they, people treated Hermione very badly in this, not just this movie, in the book, she's treated very badly, even by Harry and Ron, which is shitty. Unfortunate. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Great, great acting. Great acting. Yeah. I'm a great, great cool. Um, 
yeah. So you guys have anything else that you want to mention? I've got two last things. Uh, well, I love the freeze frame ending. Oh god, I hate the freeze frame ending. I should have like when it happens. I was like, ha. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so much. Like, it was he's such just a... like he's like yeah, and then freeze frame and it. You know, if it wasn't freeze framed and he just like flew out of picture. And then it ended, that would have been so good. But the freeze frame on his face for a solid, like, five seconds. You're just yeah. like, why? Why was this the choice <laughs> you made with this scene? Like like I said, it's a fun movie. Like, it ends fun. Like, everything works out. Nobody dies. Everyone's happy. He's just like, oh, I got a sweet new broom. Yeah! Well, his father's still, or his godfather still, like, a convicted felon. Yeah, but he's free. Uh, he's not being of. he's, he's not being hiding. tortured by grim reapers all the time. He's in hiding and the ministry's looking for him constantly. Um <laughs> he can't go live with his godfather like his godfather wanted because he's still on the run. The guy who actually killed his parents is now on the run again. <laughs> like I'm not sure how happy the ending actually is. Hey man, anything could happen. They it's really didn't resolve all the potential. Like if you look at the start of this movie to the end of it, what was gained through this movie? Hope. Was it? Yeah, what, now yeah. he has uh, somebody who's free from prison who cares about him. That's something he's, he's never family. had before. He has family. Yeah, that's true. He has okay. he has family, and even minus, <clears throat> I would say minus serious, he has Ron and Hermione. Yeah, but he's always had them. No, but in this transition, I think there are some moments that, like, I feel for me are like they're family moments. In fact, it's, I think there's less of that. To quote my now, mouth. Now Ron has Hermione, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Family. <laughs> You're right. This is basically just a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly what it is. Like, Harry's, Harry's never had anyone to look after him before, and now he's got an adult, like a real adult, who's going to look that's after right. him. Like, is yeah. a fucking badass, yeah. and is escaped from prison and stuff. Well, I mean, I th I'm thinking about that scene, too, um, that pops into my mind, is the, um, where he's, like, Harry's all alone, and he's, like, crying, mm. and it's Hermione comes over and, like, she gives him a hug. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. the, uh, the that visibility cloak off. Oh, see, for me, I thought it was solid, okay. because it's, like, so poor. it's, like, it's, like, a sister giving a hug to her brother. Oh, yeah. Like, at that moment, you can see that nothing could ever happen between them. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking in terms of back to the family thing. I think that's, like, again, it's solidifying this thing of, like, as as Carmen said, I think there's a lot of hope. Even though this one's a darkie, uh, like, a real, like, a dark film. But I, I think... I don't see it that way. I think you got a lot of hope. Yeah, I think there's definitely parts where it's dark. Um, Harry almost dying was probably a pretty dark moment. And he had to save himself because uh, time is a circle, apparently, not a straight line. Um, that makes sense. I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that, too. Um, but, like, I mean, Harry almost died. So did his godfather. Oh, I guess not died. Their souls were almost sucked out of their bodies. Like, mm. pretty messed up. In the book, Hermione's also supposed to be there, I think. So she almost died as well. Like, some messed up parts. Um, yeah. But no, I think that I could see the darkness in here, but I also see that it's like not as dark as it gets for the series. So, but yeah, um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before I go into my uh, the differences between book and the movies? I no, want to know what Carmen's Patronus is. Oh yeah, Gabe, have you done that thing on Pottermore? I did. 
I just can't remember. I, I haven't done buzz, buzz, any BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed quizzes in a while. Sorry. Uh, Carmen. Uh, well, <laughs> if you could choose an animal to be a Patronus, what would it be? Uh, uh, I don't know. Probably like a uh, Sasquatch. <laughs> That's not an animal. Oh, yeah. It's a dude. <laughs> it's a dude. <laughs> in a uncle. big costume. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, Crow would huh? be dead. A gorilla. gorilla would be pretty cool, but gorilla. If, if Sasquatch is an animal, then gorillas aren't either. Maybe like uh, I don't know some rock and roll thing. Like what's that rock animal? Roll. A scorpion. A scorpion. Okay. Yeah. Rock you like a hurricane, baby. What about you, Gabe? Maybe no. It'd be multiple scorpions. It'd be five scorpions. And they would come out and be like, like a pitfall. Yeah. I got that right away. <laughs> I'd be like, I would be pixelated scorpions. I'd be like, expecto patronum, and then it'd be like, and then it'd be like, scorp's gonna scorp. <laughs> scorp's gonna scorp. What about you, Gabe? What would your patronus be? I think it's a brown. I I can't remember. The brown. What my what my? I know it's a brown something. It's a. Uh, I'm trying brown to do it right now. I'm trying to go access my account. Yeah, I have no idea what my Pottermore account is. Uh. I can't remember like what mine was, but I think I would want mine to be hippopotamus. Not a king cobra. Nope, I fucking love hippopotamus. Want yours to be a hippopotamus? That would be so sweet. Can you imagine like someone come at you and be like, "Expect a patronum," and just like a giant hippopotamus like comes in. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's my inner self. <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty overwhelming compared to somebody if they got like a rabbit or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Rab pops out and it's like life size and you're just like, whoa, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Next time we do this, I should do I should load up um some BuzzFeed quizzes and you guys I'll I'll test you guys and figure out what fucking houses you live in. Oh yeah. And, okay. And what your patronuses are. Cause those BuzzFeed quizzes are just as accurate as Pottermore, I guarantee oh, I'm it. Sure, they are. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but you know what? I'm sure. Gabe, that's the thing. All personality quizzes are just as accurate. <laughs> we'll see about that. All right. Just, so... just like horoscopes, oh, the same God. fucking thing. Yeah, oh, you're the worst. Horoscopes are bullshit. <laughs> Astrology's bullshit. Jelani's bullshit. Yeah. Ah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tell me your stuff. So, The Prisoner of Azkaban, at the time of publication, was actually the longest book. Um, and because of the increasing plot uh, complexities and uh, just how much was happening, they had to make it more of a loose adaptation, uh, which made sense because they wanted to cut the time down from three hours because I feel like that's a long time for a kid to be in front of a movie and try and actually pay attention. Uh, the connection between Harry's parents and the Martys, uh is only briefly mentioned, like I said before, uh, with... Remus's uh, association being so small to the map itself as well as to Harry's parents other than a small part where he says that he knew his mother saying that she was abnormally kind and there for him at a time that no one else was which doesn't make sense because it was actually his dad who was there for uh, Remus during this weird like crazy time that he was like a werewolf and shit Lily didn't know uh, so that was kind of a weird thing to put in there too instead of making it about his father additionally it was never mentioned who the Marty's were uh, we've I talked about that already though um, and some exposition was removed from or dramatic effects both in the Shrieking Shack and about Scabbers the Rat uh, the Shrieking Shack we learned uh, was only put together and the 
uh, lore behind it being the most haunted place was because Lupin, as a werewolf, was in there and would scratch himself and howl. So people wanted him to stay away, so they said it was very haunted. Um, which doesn't make a lot of sense because, you know, Hogwarts is really haunted too, and those ghosts are like badasses, so. Yeah, why would you be scared of going to a, a, shrack, a, a sh shack that's haunted? Exactly. It makes very little sense, but that's what the thing was in the book, and uh, Dumbledore would increase that uh, rumor by being like, yeah, that place is haunted as fuck. Like, don't go there. <laughs> like, oh, you never know what's going to happen in there. <laughs> um, most of Sirius Black's uh, story is also cut out of the uh, thing, like I said before, and no mention is how he got out of Askban, which is actually a really cool story, uh, but I'm not going to go into it. If you want to learn about it, go fucking read a book. Uh, I was hoping you were going to tell me. I can't remember. Oh, all right. Well, I guess I can tell you in 30 seconds or less. All yeah. Right. So... Let me time you. <laughs> okay, go. Sirius is in jail. He sees the uh, newspaper article with Peter Pettigrew. So because he's a dog, he can turn in, or he's uh, animagus, he can turn into a dog. Uh, he has less emotions and the dementors affect him less. Uh, eventually, he was so malnourished that he malnourished, he could get through the bars and he just walked out and swam to shore in the middle of a giant ocean. <laughs> God damn. It's kind of fucked up. It's kind that of a loose, <laughs> kind of loose, but you know, it is what it is. Um, 20 seconds. Good job. Nice. I'll be, I'll be magical at the uh, plot summary. <laughs> under two yeah, minutes. you'll be ready. All right. Um, uh, a couple small things. There was only one hippogriff uh, and Buck, Buckbeak did attack Malfoy. Also, Malfoy's a little bitch in this. Oh no, he kind of cut my arm. Harry lost all the bones in one of his arms once. Like, grow the fuck up. Her, that was fixed in like maybe five seconds by Madame Pomfrey. Get over yourself. Um, most lessons are cut out of the film, which is obvious, except for, I think, one Defense Against Dark Arts with uh, Lupin and one with Snape, and then one Magical Creatures. Uh, the Fidelius charm is completely removed, and the complicated description behind it. Uh, which is the thing that was protecting Harry's parents. Uh, and they didn't really give an explanation about how Sirius betrayed Potter's parents to Voldemort overly. So it was very, like, nonsensical with that, but it is what it is. Um, they once again cut out, like, almost everything to do with Quidditch in this one. They had that one match, uh, but the person who got zapped by lightning was actually supposed to be Cedric Diggory, who we learned me in the next book, and he was supposed to actually catch the snitch. Uh, and get, like, this really, like, salt-of-the-earth kind of, like, moment with him, too, where he's, like, he goes to the referee, he's like, no, 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 it shouldn't count. Like, Harry got attacked by Dementors, this shouldn't count as a catch. But that's, like, the rules were the rules. But he was, like, all about, like, rescheduling the match, be like, that is bullshit, like, they shouldn't have been here. They fucking attacked a student, like, but they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Um, this was also, that was also the first match that he had ever failed to catch the snitch. Uh, first, in the match that he played. Uh, which was, like, kind of a humbling moment as well, uh, showing that someone else is better than him at something um, like that. The romantic connection between Ron and Hermione is very prominent in this film, uh, but it is not in the book. Uh, I don't know if we even really see that much of it in the book, to be honest. Uh, but because there was a lot of criticism by focusing more on the mystery side of these books instead of the character side, they decided to put that in and start that a little bit earlier than normal though they did that and they completely removed cho chang from the third book who harry has like a huge crush on so it's kind of like the we got to see more about her run hermione but not about harry's emotions 
Um, we get more of that in the fourth movie. And spoiler, Cho Chang, second all-time crush ever. Uh, she's super awesome. And we get more of the emotional side of Harry in this book. Compared let, to me just, let me just oh. point out there that Ben, when he watched the movie, was the same age as Cho Chang. Yeah, I'm also talking it's about not like... actress like who is my age now. Yes, so yeah, that's okay, who I'm well. talking about. I'm not talking about Cho Chang. Well, I mean, back then I would have talked about Cho Chang. Cause right. Let's just clarify that. But just to clarify, not the actor then, actor now. Yeah, it's like well, we want our listeners to be like, oh yeah, that uh, Cho Chang is my number one crush, and then it's like, oh, how old are you watching it? You're like 44. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like... I was their age when this came out. <laughs> Okay. I was like 14, go. I think. Thanks for that. Up. Yeah. Just, uh, just thank you, Carmen. Thank you for uh, nope. putting that in there. <laughs> I got your back, baby. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Gabe, what is that? Oh, the last thing uh, that I want to talk about the difference is how much of a dick they are to her- Hermione, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, Ron is the first one to become a dick when he thinks that Crookshank uh, eats scabbers. And everyone else is like, grow the fuck up. Go get a new rat. You hate that rat anyways. I mean, you get an owl now that it's dead. Uh, no one cares about your rat. Get over yourself. But he's like a huge dick to Hermione for like, oh, it's got to be like five chapters or six chapters. And you're just like, oh, I'm tired of this. And then the firebolt, which he gets at the end or Harry gets at the end of the movie. He actually is supposed to get at Christmas anonymously. And Hermione straight up snitches to McGonagall being like, he got this uh, broom from uh, we don't know who, uh, so it gets confiscated. And it's like the firebolt, which is supposed to be like the fastest broom ever. Uh, so McGonagall confiscates it and starts doing a bunch of tests on it to make sure there's no curse or hexes. So that creates a second divide. So Harry and Ron are now pissed at Hermione for multiple things. And that happens for like, oh, like half the book. And you're just like, what the fuck, guys? Hermione saved all your lives like so many times. Like, get over yourselves. You wouldn't pass any of your exams without her. So, just a couple of small things, and I think that she gets shafted in this book more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we continue to see uh, Ron be a dick to her for, like, the next three books, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, so that's it from the What's the Difference section, <laughs> and we go into our voting section. We've got a couple votes, like always. Uh, the first one is our prefects or movie MVPs. Uh, so, so far we have, for the first movie, I have Hermione Granger, Gabe has uh, Severus Snape, and Carmen has Albus Dumbledore. For the second, uh, we have, uh, I have got Harry, Gabe had the trio, and Carmen had the monsters because they were badasses. Uh, for this one, who is your guys' MVPs? I'm probably going to go with Lupin. Mm, that's a good one. I feel like Lupin was the, like the first one to like really like sort the Dementors out, and then he's like pretty solid throughout the movie as like this like kind of uh, you know this uh, idea bouncing board for uh, for Harry, and uh, provides him like some guidance and some much needed uh, adult interaction. Not like uh, adult interaction. No, not like that. That came out wrong. Carter, oh shit! You're talking about Abort. me. You're talking about me having bad times. Come on. It's all guidance. I, no, that still sounds wrong. I don't know. He's uh, he's he was actually anyway. a teacher and like right. taught him and like yeah. So and yeah, then, and then you know he did and, his job. He did his job. Yeah, he did his job. Which we're praising him for doing <laughs> his job, but it's just because the last two suck so much. Kind of like how we praise uh, 
different prime ministers and stuff because their predecessors suck so much. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Lupin, despite him like being the, one of the big bad guys at the end. Well, he wasn't a bad guy. He was like the good guy. Why well, he tried he to eat them. <laughs> uh, that was werewolf Lupin. Okay. <laughs> That's like when we talk about drunk Ben versus like normal Ben and when we do stuff. Like, it's uh, drunk Ben it's makes plans. the same plans. person. It's the same person. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> drunk Ben makes plans that sober Ben doesn't want to do. What? Really? <laughs> All the time. Oh. People well, are like, oh, right. you want to like go hang out this weekend? I'm like, <gasps> drunk Ben's like, yeah, I, I totally want to go to like that four hour like broke concert with you. That's gonna be sweet, sober Ben. Fuck, I'm gonna go spend four hours listening to people like grunt for four hours. <laughs> and not for the usual reasons. <laughs> Look out! Uh, All right, yeah. So Lupin, Lupin. <laughs> werewolf Lupin was bad. Normal Lupin, good. All right, game. What about your MVP? Lupin. Lupin. Lupin, for the same reasons as Carmen. Yeah, Lupin. Uh, I'm going to go with Sirius Black. I think that, one, he broke out of Azkaban to, like, hunt down this dude who killed his, like, best friend. Like, that's some dedication. Uh, one, he survived Azkaban in general. And then he fucking comes back and, like, it's just, like, you know what, Harry? I know what you think about me, and if you want to kill me, that's fine. Like... Based on what you've heard, you have every right to do that. But if you'll listen to me, we can fuck some shit up. Plus, you can come live with me. <laughs> I know you think I'm hurting your parents, but you're welcome to love, come live with me. <laughs> like, a tough sell. Yeah, so I think that Sirius, like, really was, like, a, a bamf in this one. Uh, plus, he did find uh, fucking... Pettigrew at the end. Like, he was a, a fucking rat who, for some reason, stayed on the ground. So he could have just, like, ran off, but he, like, stayed in, like, he went to Hagrid's hut for whatever reason. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? But, you know. Um, it is what it is. Alright, the second ranking thing we have is for the best defense against the Dark Arts teacher. Uh, so right now we have in number one, Lockhart, and number two, Quarrel. Where would you guys put Lupin? I'm assuming number one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much uh, much debate there. I think that Lockhart might have been a funnier character to watch, but I think Lupin played the role way better, or the guy who played Lupin. Mm -hmm. um, actually, funny enough, the guy who played Lupin uh, auditioned for both Quirrell and Lockhart. Well. Yeah, and then got Lupin, cool. which I'm like, you got the right one. Th this guy actually stays around for more than one movie. Lupin looks like a goddamn uncle. Oh yeah. Like he's he looks like a like a you see that guy you're like oh that guy's an uncle. <laughs> he dresses like one, talks like one, he's got a mustache like one. He's a fucking uncle. Oh jeez. Uh, oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just. Uh, Gabe, you got some something to say with that? Uh... All right. Oh, Carmen, that's why we have him on the show. Okay, the next <laughs> is the villain vote, guys. So, in number one right now, we have Lucius and Diary Voldemort. And then we have, in number two, Quirrell and Back of Head Voldemort. Um, I would say the, the villains in this one are kind of the Dementors, Sirius Black, and Wormtail. Sirius Black, I know, isn't like actually a villain, but he was a villain like in name, at least, for most of it. Yeah, the idea of him. Yeah. 
What about the patriarchy? Um, I think that was more in the last one. <laughs> like, how would you uh, justify that in this one? Uh, did two women have a conversation? Yes. About something that wasn't about a man? Yes. When? Trelawney and Hermione. Oh. They talked back and forth multiple times. Oh, I guess so. Well, they were kind of dicks to each other, though. Yeah. <laughs> they still had a conversation. Yeah, okay. Um, well, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not sure if she talks to anybody else. Oh, no, I... uh, McGonagall and Rosmerda talk to each other as well. Right, yeah, I guess so. I think, right. I think for Carmen's reason, or maybe Ben's, that they didn't go to see McGonagall. Yeah, but I mean, again, in the books, that's set up more, right? Cause it's, also, the it's fact that... Yeah. Look, I just treat Lonnie, you know, disrespected. Yeah. What? Okay, when you're walking around, your connection is weird. Yeah, it's really bad when you walk around. Your connections, your connection's an asshole. I'm sitting um, on a couch. Yeah, I'm sitting <laughs> in my chair. I'm, I mean, I'm my on the reviewer's I'm couch. About, I'm, about, I'm, talking, I'm totally on a couch. That's right. I was just going to say, I think it's just interesting, though, how they've made Trelawney, like, I know you guys were joking earlier, but, like, she's, like, this, like, um, we can't take her seriously because of her mumbo-jumbo. Well, except for when she fucking goes into that real trance and gets, like, super intense. Oh, mm -hmm. is that the next one? Oh, I don't even think it's this one, is it? No, that is this one. Where she gets, this like, super one. intense and, like, yep. fucking gives that real prediction. You're just like, holy shit, this is why she's a well, teacher here. Well, that's why she's a teacher. But, but again, she's like... But I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm with I'm with Ben on it because you could also say the patriarchy too because the, again let's deeply get into this gendered shit. The fact that you have Lupin transforming into this monster could be a look at the look of masculinity and how when you're transitioning from boy into quote unquote man that you could be turning into a monster based upon societal norms and gender expectations that you you become the thing that society creates you to be, which is an asshole. Mm. Or is it that inside every man is a monster waiting to come out and kill everybody? Could be. Yeah, Could be. I mean, the patriarchy one, I was interested to hear your thoughts on. I yeah. didn't actually think it was a villain. It was. I definitely think that it was a villain in the Pirates of the Caribbean oh, films, yes. but not so much in these. <laughs> over and over and over again. I think well, these well, have I a mean, little bit more, but yeah. But so, I mean, it's interesting though, right? Like, and then like, hold on, let's let's just stop it. I know Karma was dicking around, but like, scabbers like the role of animals and male animals and, and like how they truly reveal themselves i don't know there's something there it's, it's not i think that there's less like uh uh well gendered or sex disparity or whatever than racial disparity in these films because there's not a lot of no. uh colored uh people depictions yeah there's not a lot of visual minorities in this which is uh unfortunate but they try and rectify it a little bit. They don't do a good job, though, throughout the entire yeah. series. That's uh, It's an interesting one. Um, I would, I, again, we'd have to go back into it, but then we're kind of looking at authorial intent. Yeah, I think... Which is, yeah. like, that's the whole other thing to look at, too. But right. in terms of, like, gender, I don't know. I would like to examine mm -hmm. that further. But again, I don't go back on Yeah, um... Yeah, yeah. With the transforming to animals thing, I, I really wish they had gone into it because it was such like a, a moment in the books, like how much like, 
Lupin and his friends, like, were the same kind of family <laughs> that um, Harry and Bron and Hermione are. Like, they went through, like, this big thing that could have killed them in order to spend time with him on his worst days, basically, is what happened, right? Like, he he would turn into a werewolf and they would turn into these animals so that they could all, like, hang out still and, like, he wouldn't be alone and, like, scratching himself to death, basically, in the Shrieking Kithrak. And, like, I thought that was, like, such a key moment in the book. Like, this is how much Sirius and James cared. Wormtail, it seemed like he just did it to, like, stay part of the group, but, like, the other ones really cared about their friend. And, like, that's what this group is, like, what the current trio is, right? It's, like, this family that they've made that would do anything for the other ones. I mean, fuck. In the first movie, they knew each other less than a year, and they went into, like, this death trap of a bunch of gauntlets (laughs) going into, like take this stone so that Voldemort can get it. Like, I mean, not sure how much more you can get than that, but yeah. Um, okay, so villains, yeah, dementors, the idea of Sirius Black. And Wormtail. Right. Um, where do you, I'll go for dementors. Dementors. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll do all three of them, uh, but for the villain vote, do you think they are above Lucius and uh, the Diary of Voldemort, or below? Below. Yeah. Below. Uh above Quirrell and back of head of Voldemort or below? Above. Above. Okay. I was gonna say below. I think that's I think the the final twist was uh better with Quirrell, but I, I get where you're coming from. You okay. you said that you like the twist in this, whereas like the I double do, twist. But I think that for a villain twist, I thought that Quirrell, because he was such an understated character all the entire time. Right. Uh, and he was kind of playing things in the shadow. Um, whereas, like, the Dementors and stuff, it's, like, more in your face. Mm-hmm. But they are more terrifying, for sure. Just the idea of, like, the Dementor coming at you and, like, putting his gross mouth on yours and, like, making out with you while he steals your soul. <laughs> like, it's pretty messed up. That sounds like my fourth ex-wife. <laughs> God damn it. Um, also, side note, uh, we talked a little bit about the map, but not a lot. Uh, and I know this has been talked to to death like in all kinds of different mediums but the fact that his brothers didn't see that a person named Peter Pettigrew was sleeping in his brother's bed (laughs) for like two years straight and then Harry didn't see that Peter Pettigrew was in his own dormitory with him sleeping in Ron's bed how did they not see that like (laughs) it's pretty good it's a good point like I know that it's been talked to about death and it's like a huge plot hole but like what the fuck like his brother's just like all right ron get some mm, get some uh, uh, you're like god they're like 11 like what the fuck yeah so that i mean that was always a pretty big plot hole in my mind maybe they thought that peter Pettigrew was a dude that slept on a floor below him in the castle because you know it's a map that's like one floor hey how does it work uh, it, it has different floors. So if you look at it, like it has all the different floors of Hogwarts and the different folds. Oh yeah. So it didn't really work that way. Gotcha. But um, it's also the the communities, like the houses, aren't that big, right? I think at most there's maybe fifty people in each house at a single time. Right. Maybe a little more, maybe like a hundred. But even like no, it can't be a hundred. I would say more towards like sixty, seventy, maybe. That's not that many people when you consider the Weasleys know Ron and they know Ron's friends right mm-hmm. 
So like it wouldn't be that it'd be really weird for them to be like, wait, I don't know a Peter Pettigrew in our house. Like we know everybody. So, yeah. That's kind of a weird one in my mind. Uh, and then maybe going to be like, hey, who's uh, Peter Pettigrew? Let's go find out who this person is because we've never met them before and they're in our house. Yeah. So it's I mean, they wouldn't. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. When and... you said our house, I thought you meant like their actual like home house. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, they do have a lot of siblings. Yeah. <laughs> they probably lose track. Have you uh, met that one before? So, the last thing we have to do before we wrap up is the movie vote. Uh, where would you guys put Prisoner of Azkaban? Right now, in number one, we have Chamber of Secrets, and number two, we have Philosopher's Stone. I would have put number two. Number one. I was actually going to put number three. I don't like this movie because of the time travel. Um, Average it out, number two. Yeah, I was going to say, there you go. Try, try and make it close Pull for number two, but I think, that, I think that it just makes sense to put number two. I think that the acting is a lot better in this one, which does help, uh, just because they become better actors, especially because the main two actors weren't actors before this. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy with putting it at number two. So right now, the movies go as follows. We have number one, Chamber of Secrets. Number two, Prisoner of Azkaban. And number three, Philosopher's Stone. Don't worry, guys. That would not stay number three for long. <laughs> um, great. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, we are the Cooperators Reviewers Couch. Each and every week, we talk about a different movie. You can catch us on social media on instagram twitter and facebook all of those descriptions will be in the description below as well uh you can catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts if you have any questions comments uh did i say anything wrong did the guy say something super inappropriate uh <laughs> maybe i uh, shoot us an email shoot us a dm and maybe we'll read it on the show and i will chastise them for being assholes and uh yeah other than that I think that's going to wrap it up for us today, except for one thing, the thing that we do every week. Hope Gabe prepared, because it's time for the question of the day. Where did they go into those heads? Is it mentors? Yeah, where did they pack it? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. They, that, those, it's like the mouth that Carmen would love. Because it looks like it belongs to like a hundred and fifty year old, <laughs> just like like somebody who hasn't moisturized either for a hundred and fifty years, and just like, <laughs> oh, that's like decomposed. Yeah, that is gonna be it for today, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we will see you next week with Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Bye.